0: we read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read this together. When the sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you.
1: There are two words that we love to say and we hate to hear. Told you. Told you. Told you. Told you. 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 We love to say those to other people, but very rarely do we like to be on the receiving end of that whole told you so phrasing. This is a phrase that jumped out at me uh, as I was reading through the different uh, writings and the narratives of the gospels as I was reading of the account of the resurrection. How many times you see this word told you or told to them. How many times this year alone, over the last 12 months, have we heard that phrase, told you, or, or a variation of it, told you so? Things like, uh, told you, being a stay-at-home parent isn't all it's cracked up to be, is it, buddy? <laughs> told you, wearing masks are pointless. Told you, Hulu and Disney Plus are essential expenses in my budget. <laughs> told you... Teachers aren't paid nearly enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Some Costco aficionado is saying, Told you, buying toilet paper in bulk is the only way. We have people sitting around saying, Told you, Tiger King is really weird. Told you, the vaccine works told you Tom Brady is the goat, and some teenager is still yelling from the bedroom, told you Green was the imposter. He was so sus. (laughs) If you're under the age of 18 and you have no idea what I'm talking about, or if you're over the age of 18, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. We live in a world that is rampant with misinformation, a world full that is lacking integrity, and it only breeds a mistrust all around us. We are in in an age where truth is seen as relative and personal morality is simply based on my own preference. Yet, for the people of God, we choose to find our morality cemented to the truth teachings of this Savior, the God-man, Jesus Christ. A man who came to the earth, lived perfectly, died in your place and my place, was buried and miraculously by the spirit and power of God was raised to life three days later. We have a faith that moves us Beyond just a confession, but an embodied faith that allows us to have hope in a bodily resurrection in the next age to come. We have a faith that is rooted not in cultural relativism, political correctness, or in fear of the cancel culture, but rather in an historical orthodoxy of faith that is centered on a man, and his name is Jesus. And this is the gospel that we want to proclaim today and every day. This is the gospel that finds its apex and climax in this resurrection story. This is a gospel that happened, uh, it lived out in front of so many and these eyewitnesses wrote it down telling us of what happened and we hold on to the historical accuracy of the scriptures and we grab a hold of these things with a sense of faith while at the same time knowing doubt is still holding on to us this is a gospel that can't be kept quiet. It is a gospel that we tell. It is a gospel that we have to tell you and tell others about. You know what's interesting in this resurrection story? Jesus told us and his disciples about his death and resurrection before it ever happened. He told them it was going to happen. Kind of like a heads up, this is coming your way, guys. You see it in in the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of of, of John, and early on, in fact, in Matthew 17, verse 22, you see uh, see Jesus saying this, "And, and when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. He told them that it was going to happen. Now, I don't know if you're like this, but Uh, In my house, my my wife Amber and I, we, we have three kids, Alyssa, Micah, and Annalise. And all three of them, along with my wife, have this aversion to surprises. Like you try to surprise them, and you only are peppered with thousands of questions. Which then leads dad to explaining, would you just be quiet and let me surprise you? Which has now ruined any moment of happiness for all of us. It's not the surprise that they receive that bothers them. It's the unknown and out of control and unknowing in that moment that probably bothers them the most. I wonder if Jesus was aware that his disciples were going to walk through some immense grief. They were going to be shocked and, in a sense, taken by surprise at the very fact that even though he told them he was going to die, be buried, and shot called three days later, raised to life again, even when it was happening, they still couldn't believe it was happening. Struggling to come to grips with the truth of what was being played out in front of their eyes. I think Jesus knew the, the tendency of humanity to doubt, and yet he still gave them a heads up. Jesus told us of his death, burial, and resurrection. Why? Because this is a story that must be told. It was pre-told, as much as it is post-occurrence being told today. It wasn't just Jesus who told you of the death, burial, resurrection. It was the prophets of old, hundreds, thousands of years before it ever took place, that told us of his death, burial, life, resurrection, all of it foretold. And the mathematical probability of the statistical reality that this could even be possible is mind-boggling. Yet, it occurred. There was not a single prophecy in the Old Testament that Jesus did not completely and fully accomplish and fulfill. Just thinking about the aspects of his death, the fact that Jesus' death was an act of obedience, in John 18, you see that same thing being pre-told to you in Psalms chapter 40. Yet the, the fact that Jesus' death was an announcement that he himself would be announcing. You see that in John 18, John 3:14, and Numbers 21 in the Old Testament. The prophets told the aspect of Jesus' of death that it would be in place of other people. That's you and I. You find that in John 18 as well as in Isaiah 53. You see that Jesus' death would be among other evildoers. And we know that played out because he was crucified between two thieves. And that was prophesied in Isaiah 53 and verse 12. You see that the aspect of Jesus' death would be in place that he himself would be crucified in innocence, not being guilty. And you see that prophesied in Isaiah 53 and verse 9. You see the aspect that his death would be by crucifixion take place in Psalm 22 and verse 16. See that the prophets and the Old Testament foretold that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb. And you see that prophesied in Isaiah 53 and verse 9 as well. Multiple aspects of Jesus' death foretold by the prophets lived out, played out, and seen through historical accounts and accuracy to have been fulfilled. The prophets told you that Jesus would come, the life that he would live, the death that he would die, and the resurrection that we would experience. My son and I uh, love watching um, these YouTubers that now turned like TV stars and um, product uh, aficionados uh, called Dude Perfect. These uh, group of friends that do random trick shots all along the way, and their trick shots leave you like, no way, no, no, no. That's a that's a camera trick. That didn't really happen. Like those kind of trick shots, the, the kind of kind of thing that you see, but yet you still don't believe. Last last Sunday, I was on the golf course with some some guys in our community, and we got to hole 15 and one guy steps out of the cart walks up we're sitting there talking and it's like he didn't even care walked up hit this shot landed on the green backspin in the cup hole in one everyone went nuts i was blown away i'd never seen a hole in one in person i was like i'm gonna get me one of those one day that's gonna happen i'm gonna i'm gonna work on that rod i'm gonna get me one right it's gonna happen some way somehow to the praise and the glory of jesus of course it will happen I I couldn't believe what I saw last night watching the Final Four. UCLA had that game moving on. They were going to see another overtime. Nope. Gonzaga pulls off this amazing, I can't believe it. I saw it on replay so many times. I'm like, no way. That looked way too easy. Nailed the shot. Game winner at the buzzer. They move on to the championship which I foretold, by the way, that it would be Baylor and Gonzaga and watch Baylor wins, your boy called it. I'm just saying, that was my bracket. These are the things that we see in our life that we can't believe, but yet they're told to us and we hear them and yet we still wrestle with like, I don't know, surely there was a camera trick going on. Did it really happen that way? You know, There are three really big objections that people still today have as it relates to the validity and the accuracy of the fact that Jesus was, well, raised from the dead. One of the main objections that that people have, scholars and skeptics alike, has as it relates to Jesus coming back to life was they just simply said, well, surely they just went to the wrong tomb. And I can see that. Like, I mean, it's dark when they were putting him in the tomb. They were, tears were crying, I mean, they were crying and mourning and sad. I mean, logically, sure, maybe. But when you read the gospel's account and you see how many people went to the tomb, like, they all got it wrong. Eh, one or two, maybe. Like, seven? I don't think so. And then you go to the fact that in the gospel of Matthew, there were guards that were standing watch at the tomb, who saw what had happened and were like, oh my gosh, we are so dead, went and told the officials, and they're like, no, 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 that's not what you saw. What you saw was this and this and this. And they paid them to tell a different story. Do you think the guards were like, oh yeah, there's the wrong tomb. We were there the whole, that wasn't the lie that they told. They were told to say that someone stole his body. Think about it. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything and caused a ton of problems, for the religious leaders and the Roman officials. It created this uprising, a revolution of a spiritual uh, type. If this was such a problem, and we know historically that the lives of the disciples became a huge problem for the leaders of the day. If it really was an issue of the wrong tomb, don't you think they were like, hey guys, it was the wrong tomb. Here's the body. The hoax is over. Let's move on. But that never happened. Why? I don't know. Because Jesus called Eight Ball Corner Pocket, got up three days later, and he's still alive. There's a second objection that scholars and, and skeptics have that's pretty prevalent today. It's the fact that they just simply say, well, they, they stole the body. They went to the tomb, pushed the stone away, stole his body, and hid it away, yet no bones have ever been found. No hint of such foul play really exists. And if you read John chapter 20, verse 13, his disciples themselves thought that at one point. They were, Mary was weeping, and Jesus comes up behind her. He, she doesn't know it's him. What? Why are you weeping? He says, Where have they taken my Lord's body? They took it, where did it go? And Jesus then reveals to Mary, Mary, it is I. And her eyes were opened, and she then went and told the disciples these things. Why would you write that you believe that his body was stolen only to then recant later and say, no, 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 he's really alive, guys. He's alive. Just believe it, he's alive. No, you wouldn't even waste that time. And in first century living in Palestine, you would not have women be the main mouthpiece and messengers. They weren't legally even allowed to testify in legal proceedings. That is not a smart move if you're trying to to create and fabricate a lie. But maybe, just maybe, it wasn't a lie. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus is exactly who he said that he is, and he is alive. Here, there's a third objection. That's probably the Lord calling us right here, right now. <laughs> he is alive. Objection number three that's prevalent today that's really popular, and it's simply this. Well, Jesus, he didn't really die. I mean, he was just like passed out from suffocation. He blacked out for a little while. And I can understand the thought process and wanting to believe that as well. The only problem is Thomas, the disciple, knew Jesus had died. And he himself, after the disciples were like, hey, Thomas, yo, we saw Jesus. He straight up walked through the wall and like he's alive. And Thomas Thomas is like, no, 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 you don't understand I saw him die. I need Peru. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not believing that that news. I'm not believing that narrative. Until I see the scars in his own hands and the the things on his, until I see with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe that he's alive. Because I saw that he died. And Jesus shows up and shows Thomas exactly what it was. Friends, the the death of Jesus wasn't some sci-fi cryo-chamber tomb experience. It wasn't some James Bond espionage trick to get out of trouble. No, no, he was dead, dead. Like, no more breathing, no more life, dead. Historically, according to to, to history, we have to assume and believe that he indeed really did die because most scholars and historians write off this excuse and explanation immediately. Why? Because they consider the historical context of the Roman Empire itself and the way that the Romans treated criminals. If there was one thing the Romans knew how to do and do well, it was kill people. Like they were really good at that. And crucifixion was kind of like their idea. When you think about it, they would crucify, his, history verifies this, they would crucify up to 6,000 people on a single day. That didn't put, uh, they didn't put guys up on a cross and take them down only to have them head home a few days later by mistake. No, they made sure that they were dead. Their reputation, and their livelihood depended on it. Friends, Jesus told us that he was going to die and be raised to life. The prophets told us that he would die and raise again. But friends, it's true. The disciples told each other that they saw Jesus, that he was alive, that he was living. And they told each other, and, and yet some of them still didn't fully Eve. they wrestled with their own doubts like yeah, yeah yeah this is this is true but is it L- look at luke chapter 24 verses 9 through 12 look at luke's account of this he says this when when they came back from the tomb talking of the women they told all the things that to the 11 and to all the others who were there It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. Don't miss this. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself, uh, what, what, what happened? What, what happened here? Like, I saw him die. He was wrapped in these cloths. They put him here. But now I see the cloths, but no Jesus. The cloths are here, but Christ isn't here. What happened here? They told each other, but yet still struggled to believe. I love the honesty of scriptures, not shying away from the humanity of people. That's often found within all of the pages of scripture. You see humanity represented accurately all through scripture. The disciples heard Jesus was alive. He told them it would be so, but yet they still struggled. And many of you can relate because you vacillate in your belief in Jesus based on the circumstances you find yourself in too. I vacillate in my belief, sometimes because of the circumstances I find myself in. If ever there was a year to be willing to admit that sometimes we have doubts, maybe it was the year 2020. To wonder, is this ever gonna end? Are we ever gonna get out of quarantine and isolation and... Not being able to see grandma? Is the death toll ever going to be reversed? Are we ever going to stop seeing that dumb ticker? I mean, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in Jesus. I believe in heaven. But man, it's really hard to see anything in my life right now. It's really difficult to see beyond these circumstances right now. You know what I love? Is that in the middle of their circumstances, in the middle of their self-quarantining, locked away in a room, Jesus comes to them. In their doubts, in their tears, in their isolation, in their own quarantine, Jesus comes to them. They were in this room, locked away for fear of the Jews. for fear of the other religious leaders, for fear that the Romans were actually going to think that they stole the body and killed them themselves. They were in fear, in disbelief. That's where they were, locked in the same room that days earlier In the week, they gathered with Jesus in person. He's saying, this is my body, this is my blood, take and eat. The same room where he washed their feet. The same room where he told them to love one another as as he has loved them. The same room, the same house, now locked in silence and doubt. I love how Professor N.T. Wright writes about this scene in his book that was released called God and the Pandemic. He writes and he says this, The next week the disciples were in that same room, locked in once more. Thomas hadn't been there the first time. He had spent the week telling the others he'd never believe it until Jesus showed up and proved it was really him, John 20, 24, and 29. Jesus came again and invited Thomas to touch and see the wounds in his hands and in his side. The scars which proved his identity. The wounds that revealed his love. Tears, locked doors, and doubt seem to go together. Different ways of saying similar things. Together they sum up a lot of what we are globally at the time I'm writing this are experiencing. Tears in plenty, of course. So many lives have been cut short this year. Locked doors. Well, precisely. The fear isn't just of certain people who may have it in for us. It's a larger, more nebulous fear that every stranger in the street might, without knowing it, give me a sickness which could kill me within a week. I might be able to give it to them as well. So, lockdown. And like a weed growing between the weeping and the lockdown, there is doubt. What's this all about? Is there any room left for faith? for hope? If we are locked away from all but a few, is there any room left for real love? These are hard and pressing questions. If the earliest disciples found Jesus coming to meet them in their tears, fears, and doubts, perhaps we can too. Malcolm Guite wrote a poem and prose last Easter. And it reads like this. In isolation, Jesus comes to us. And where is Jesus this strange Easter day? Not lost in our locked churches anymore, that he was sealed in that dark sepulcher. The locks are loose, the stone is rolled away, and he is up and risen long before, alive at large and making his strong way into the world he gave his life to save. No need to seek him in his empty grave. He might have been a wafer in the hands of priests this day or music from the lips of red-robed choristers. Instead, he slips away from church, shakes off our linen bands to don his apron with a nurse. He grips and lifts a stretcher, soothes with gentle hands the frail flesh of the dying, gives them hope, breathes with the breathless, lends them strength to cope. On Thursday, we applaud, for he came and served us in a thousand names and faces, mopping our sick room floors and catching traces of that corona, which was death to him. Good Friday happened in a thousand places, where Jesus held the helpless, died with them that they might share his Easter in their need. Now they are risen with him, risen indeed. Friends, for many of us, it has been a year of unprecedented uncertainty. It has been a year of fear. It's been a year of doubt. It has been a year where our faith in what we were once so confident in shifted like waves in a sea. And in our own doubts, in our own pain, in our own wonderings and tears we found ourselves locking away, perhaps not publicly, but perhaps in our heart. We started building our own walls of isolation, trying to protect ourselves from the reality that we were experiencing. Not just the reality of a virus, but the reality of a disease within our own home. The tension, the anger, the frustration, the Brokenness in our marriages that we were unwilling to admit was there, but yet had no choice but to deal with. The loss of jobs, and all of a sudden, with it, our confidence that was once placed in money has no root anymore, and we were left wondering what now? Because, like the disciples, our circumstances were screaming louder than our faith, screaming louder than our belief. What was the isolation? What was the quarantine? What was the walls you built up in your life? Was it misguided outrage at everything so that you could stay busy being mad at something rather than to deal with what was going on in your own heart? Was it a distraction that you found so helpful to just numb away one binge episode after another? Was it Perhaps something more severe where you found yourself toying with the idea and perhaps experimenting with your own self-harm. Doing anything to ease the pain you felt. Was it just a facade of Christianity that you put on, covering your own sinful carnality with a caricature of what Jesus looks like to the outside world, but on the inside living for your own self and your own desires each and every day? we know it wasn't an easy year. 27% increase in 2020 in alcohol sales alone. Credit card debt increased $82 billion last year. We were busy doing something. My question is, were we busy allowing the healer of our souls to bring resurrection life to within us, or were we just dealing with our doubt, with our dysfunction? What is it for you what is it for me see if the resurrection doesn't impact your spirit and your soul then you have yet to have any grounds for hope that it would impact your body one day later friends as christians we have a resurrection hope for ourselves Why? Because the apostles who had to wrestle with their own doubt and come to grips with the fact that Jesus was alive and it changed everything, wrote to us and told us that we have a hope of a future resurrection ourselves. That one day, the thing that we all fear, death, will be defeated once and for all in our world when Jesus returns. His resurrection thousands of years ago was a foretelling for you and me that one day death will not impact this world ever again. That's our hope. But so many of us still wrestle with the doubt of the here and the now. Look at the words in First Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the day when the coming of the Lord appears again, we will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and who are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these sayings. Jesus said it like this in John 20 verse 20 verse 30 and 31 actually excuse me John wrote these words about Jesus when he said Jesus performed many other signs and wonders in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah Son of God and that by believing you may have life in His name not just life in the future after you exit this earth but life in His name today see the resurrection brings you new life in your spirit As we walk it out and we learn how to walk out this faith of resurrection through our obedience, we begin to discover life in our souls, our mind, our will, our emotions. And as we continue down that path, when the Lord returns one day, any who were dead and tasted death in this earth will be raised to life and you and I, who are followers of Jesus, will experience a bodily resurrection of a new kind like jesus who defied the very realm of this world something changed in his physical body where he was there he could eat he could drink he could talk he was recognizable his scars which were healed but still visible were there but yet somehow he could be present and then disappear somehow he could defy the 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 laws that would govern this realm and he was walking through walls and doing different things why because the confines of death were no longer a problem for him And that's what eternity looks like for us friends that one day there is a new heaven and a new earth, and we as followers of Jesus get to participate in the beginning, in the announcement of the, of the coming of this new dawn. This new creation reality has begun in you and me on a spiritual level, and we're seeing it, ex- examine and explore in our hearts as we be healed and whole, and we're learning to walk after him. And one day, the very thing so many of us are afraid of this year, death will no longer be an issue ever ever again that's the resurrection hope that we have this isn't just some good idea some religious experience that we have once a year this isn't just some offshoot of a good idea to help us find a better morality in our world no we believe this to our core that there is something coming again and we get to participate in We have a hope that goes beyond what you see, touch, taste, and smell here today. Jesus is indeed alive. Mark Clark, in his book, The Problem of God, says this. He says, Jesus defeated death, the one thing no one has ever defeated. The thing so powerful and absolute that the Greek gods themselves never claimed and claimed they could never reverse. Rejecting him if he really rose from the dead, which historians agree has a lot of support and evidence, is then simply a rejection of God himself and what he's planned for your life. Friends, today I'm not asking you to believe in a church, I'm not asking you to believe in an idea, I'm asking you to believe in God Almighty and to believe in the resurrection. To believe that Jesus is who he said he is. To believe is a choice you get to make in understanding and saying, I might have doubts, but I'm gonna believe in this Jesus. If he did it once, he'll do it again. If he brings life to one, he'll bring life to me. If he can forgive them, he can forgive me. If he can heal them, he can heal me. If he can help them get past their brokenness, addiction and past and pain, he can help me get behind. get beyond my pain, my brokenness, my addiction and my past. He did it once, He'll do it again. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And it's up to us to choose and believe in His name. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said it like this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And He simply says, do you believe this? Friends, today do you believe what I told you? Do you believe what Jesus has told you? Do you believe what the prophets have told you? Do you believe what scripture has told you? Do you believe? Friends, Jesus told you of his life, of his father, of heaven, of the way to God. Being believing in him and him alone, he told you those things so that you can believe and have eternal life. You can experience a spiritual resurrection today, which is what we celebrated through baptism moments ago. It is a spiritual resurrection that gives you confidence and hope for a physical resurrection one day. It is you believing in who Jesus is that allows you to walk out your faith and to fear death no more. Friends, this year, I had to come to a place where I admitted that I was afraid of dying. Not not because I didn't know what would happen after I died. I believe my salvation was secure i'm going to be with jesus when i exit this earth i came to realize that fear was ruling so much of my thought process because i was afraid of dying knowing who i was leaving behind knowing that i no longer would have control over what happens in my family knowing that i would no longer have control of what happens to the church Knowing that I would no longer be a part of seeing faith come to life in a community, it would all be out of my hands at that moment. And what if I hadn't done enough? What if I hadn't fixed it enough? What if I hadn't done this? What if I could have done this better? What if we did this? And what? what What if? What if? What if? And my doubts were screaming. I had to come to a place, but like the disciples, I knew truth, but I still had doubts in the moment of my doubts, I had to make a decision to still believe, to still walk out what God said is true. Friends, you may have doubts. Welcome to the club. The question is, not do you have doubts, the question is, in the midst of your doubts, will you still believe in Jesus and choose to follow him with your life? That's the question today. Do you believe what Jesus told you? You bow your heads and close your eyes. We're not going to take long today. My prayer today is that you've been encouraged with a hope. That there is hope beyond a pandemic. And it's found in a person. And his name is Jesus. It doesn't mitigate the pain that we feel throughout the year just means that there's a man who died on a cross to take those same pains that you feel. It is this man, Jesus. Today, I believe we've declared that Jesus is the risen Savior and told you so that you can do as Jesus invites all of us to do as we put our faith in him, and that's to repent and to believe. We first need to repent. We need to turn from the things that we're trusting to justify ourselves the things that maybe have replaced god in our own lives all the things in the world we look to for our joy our external significance pleasure and identity those things that aren't jesus christ maybe that's money or sex or relationships or power or reputation or your family We need to turn from the ways of thinking and living that are not in line with how God made us to live. In knowing God, we find that he must be our ultimate satisfaction and that once we drink of this same grace, we will never thirst again. Secondly, we need to believe, repent, and believe. To believe is to put your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for us what his death and his resurrection accomplished for us. On the cross, Jesus died for us because of our sin. He absorbed the wrath of God that was meant for you and was meant for me. On the cross, Jesus died for us because of our sin. He absorbed that very wrath. It's the invitation Jesus makes to each one of us today to turn away from our sin, our own way of living, and, and instead turn towards him. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans climaxes his argument and simply says this about God's amazing work in Jesus with these words. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the quietness in this moment, if you're here, you're watching online, and you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need this Savior. And I want to repent. And I want to believe today. Would you put your hand in the air right now? We want to pray with you. Nobody's looking around. You just put it up and put it right back down. Put it up and put it right back down. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. We see you. God sees you. Friends, can we pray this prayer together? It's not a magic prayer, but it is... A prayer of repentance and an opportunity for us to put our faith in Jesus. Would everybody say these words when you say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. He took my place on the cross. He took my shame on the cross. He took my pain on the cross. I believe in Jesus that he died, was buried, and raised again. Give me resurrection life in my spirit today. I trust you, Jesus. May I follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, can we thank the Lord for those who made that step today? His first step, so good. Friends, thanks for celebrating resurrection with us. If maybe you prayed that prayer, you're watching online, there's some people that would love to just help you take a real practical next step. If you're in the room, we've got a prayer team available right over here to my left, your right. You're going through anything, facing a difficulty, really wrestling with some doubts, and they they would love to pray with you. Hey friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I wanna ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.